Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Hello, and welcome to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Don Mazzella, and I am your host for a program devoted to identifying strategies and suggestions to help small business managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. Our guests are other entrepreneurs and experts offering their solutions to the problems and opportunities facing small business leaders. Our aim in each program is to provide one or two thought-provoking ideas or suggestions. So follow us on Twitter at hashtag 2SBDigest or at our website at www.smallbusinessdigest.net. You know, we're here at this special hour, and we have really a very unusual uh, guest uh, today. You know, we always like to bring you uh, CEOs and founders of companies with an unusual um, uh, raison d'etat. Well, here's one of the more interesting ones. Renee Bengelsdorf is CEO and founder of Charlie Bravo Aviation. She provides uh, broker services between private aviation buyers, uh, buyers and sellers. R- Renee, welcome to the show. And as we always do, uh, uh, I'm going to start off by asking you, tell us a little bit about yourself personally before we talk about th- this fascinating subject. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate the invitation to come on today and talk about a couple of my favorite topics. Um, I am a um, aircraft broker, as you mentioned. I got my start in um, the professional world in journalism. And while those things seem completely unrelated, I assure you there are a few things in common. Every day is different in my job. Uh, We have performed sales or acquisitions in 42 different countries in the nine years that we've been in business. And so I get to meet a lot of fascinating people and do a lot of interesting deals with some pretty big egos and big personalities around the world. So it's an interesting job, and I love hearing people's stories. So I love the stories about how small and mid-sized business owners are able to use private aviation to take their business to the next level. And I love to hear how they're using business aviation to spread their influence around the world. It's a, it's a fascinating job on the, on the worst of days. Well, it does, but, but how did you, you, uh, how did you end up there from journalism? That's funny. I was actually in marketing, and my husband took a job as an aircraft salesman. So I'd moved from journalism to marketing because the pay is better. And then when he took a job as an aircraft salesman, he asked me to come in and do some consulting with this company to help them with their marketing. And after a few years, the two of us decided that we could – hang our own shingle and start our own company, and um, we still run that 
together today. And while some days it's challenging working with your spouse, uh, other days it's incredibly rewarding. So he runs sales at our company and I run the company. Hmm. Um, must make for interesting um, uh, dinner time conversation. But let me ask you, uh, let me ask you a little bit of a question on, on that. Um, uh, you buy and sell aircraft. Um, I, I guess our audience will say, gee, that sounds interesting, but how do you do it? So my next my first question is, how do you do it? And who are your customers? Well, let me answer the second question first. Our customers vary from celebrities to NGOs. So from a well-known sports figure to the Red Cross of South Africa and everything in between. We've sold aircraft to Fortune 50 companies. We've sold aircraft to defense contractors. But probably 80% of our customers are the same as your audience. They're small and mid-sized business um, owners or leaders in various countries. Mm. And then the Whoa. way that we sell aircraft, I think that was, so that was the first part of the question, right? And the second part was how do we uh, sell aircraft? Yes. A lot of times Correct. we'll get a referral from someone um, or someone knows someone who's looking and we'll start speaking with that person, really walk them through the process of buying the aircraft. So the first step in the process is determining which is the correct aircraft. So we assess their mission and how often they fly, how many passengers they take, where they fly, and the length of the runways on which they have to land to determine what's the best plane. And then we look at their budget and figure out not just a, a acquisition budget, but also an operating budget so that we make sure that we're helping our clients make the best decision financially. And then we enter into negotiations. We locate the best plane for the money that fits all those requirements. We'll enter into negotiations and draft an offer to purchase. Usually that contains the purchase price the jurisdiction of law, um, what kind of pre-purchase inspection we're going to do and where we're going to do that. And then we start that inspection and um, draft a formal purchase agreement. And then there are a myriad of other details that go into that. We help with tax planning, both sales tax and use tax. We help with importation or exportation of the aircraft, depending if it's going to stay on the same country's uh, aviation registry. Um, we help find pilots and management companies and figure out where we should um, keep the plane hangered and registered. And, and there are a lot of different pieces that go into that. Um, sometimes we're helping to determine what Wi-Fi system should be put in the aircraft or whether or not the customer should charter the aircraft. So we help with all of those decisions along the way. And as that's a part of the sales process, the sale inevitably falls apart six or seven times between <laughs> point A that I mentioned and, and the close. And so that's where um, my skills of asking questions that are journalistic-like come in and help um, keep the objectives in mind and stay on track to, to close the deal. And then we do the reverse as well. We represent aircraft and sell them 
and work um, with the seller to make sure his or her interests are represented the whole way through the deal. Well, if I'm hearing you correctly, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, you deal primarily with with uh, uh, individuals who are buying the uh, the, uh, the plane primarily for as a business reason. Did I hear that correctly? That's true, and um, and if you look at the National Business um, Aviation Association's data they'll confirm that that lines right up with private aircraft usage. So they say, and they've done a couple of studies about this over the last 10 or 15 years, that 85% of flights in the U.S. are done for business purposes on, on general aviation aircraft. Um, so, and those can be helicopters or turboprops or jets. You know, it varies. And, and that could be something like a, a life flight. A flight on either a jet or a helicopter is considered a business use of an aircraft. So there are a, a ver- variety of different reasons that you'd use an aircraft for business, not all of them to transport executives. Sometimes there's a part to a machine for a factory in a remote location that the best way to get it there quickly and stay on track to finish your mission or finish the shift um, without losing that customer is to get that part there very quickly. And sometimes private aircraft are used for something like that. So completely different than, than what you'd think about um, Fortune 50 executives jaunting around the country. There are a lot of practical uses for aircraft as well. Well, uh, that's very true. I, I've been fortunate enough to have gone to the um, to the uh, the air, uh, aircraft uh, 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 aircraft owners association, the regional uh, here in the New York area, over the last couple of years, and I've been really su- pleasantly surprised by um, what I've seen. Um, so uh, you, you're you're sitting there. We're all, uh, uh, we, we, I speak for myself, but I'm sure there's a lot of other people that always talk about how um, we're fascinated by private planes. We see them arriving. We all know about uh, uh, the uh, uh, people like President, uh, ex-President uh, Clinton has it, et cetera. But what, uh, are there, um, how, how do we say it? Um, uh, oh, I, I guess the way I wanted to put it is, um, how how do you see um, uh, individuals using um, not so much richer individuals, but ordinary uh, people uh, using these planes? Uh, you've said already about how they. Uh, um, um, they, they go out there and uh, uh, um, parts, et cetera. But how, what are some of the other th- uh, things that they do um, with these points? Well, let me tell you about a really interesting example in, in the history of aviation, and I think everyone will be able to relate to this pretty well. There was a man in um, some decades ago 
who was opening some stores, and he would fly his small airplane, and it was not a jet, it was a piston aircraft. He would fly that aircraft over these small towns and scout out sites to build his stores. And because he was able to do that, he was able to build a chain of stores that initially started in very much underserved markets. And his name was Sam Walton. So yes. he credits he credits the use of a small private plane for his business being able to grow the way that it was because he was able to get to those remote locations, fly fairly low, scout out great locations from the air so that he could actually see what was around, where the development could be what the traffic patterns were that would be driving past that location. And that's how he figured out how to, how to place each one of his early Walmarts. And so we've seen um, that organization grow by leaps and bounds and uh, denominators that we couldn't even fathom 50 years ago because of private aviation. And Walmart is still one of the has one of the largest private fleets of aircraft today, and they still use those aircraft to scout out new locations, to take executives and mid-level managers from Bentonville, Arkansas, which is a, a you know low-service airline town um, all over the country and all over the world now to carry on the business of Walmart. So that's from a very small start with private aviation, it was one of the keys to growing Walmart to the dynasty that it is today. Um, that is a fa fantastic story. I had heard some version of it in the past, but I had for totally forgotten it until you uh, mentioned it here. Uh, we, we all wish we could um, uh, be the Sam Waltons of the next generation. Absolutely. Well, we have to use his secret ingredient, which was a private plane. Mm. Um, you're a pilot yourself, correct? I am not, and I'm rather embarrassed to admit that. I decided that I was going to get my pilot's license a few years ago and went through a bunch of the ground school and got in the plane, and the instructor was very excited to be teaching me because he had been he had seen me around the hangar for years and he assumed that I knew a whole lot more about private aviation and about flying than I did and he crammed about three lessons into my first lesson in the plane and I was so overwhelmed when I landed that I decided that I would rather sit in the back and um, sip a mimosa than sit in the front and uh, be responsible for the lives of the people in the back of the plane. So I know a lot about airplanes now. Uh, I love airplanes. I love the freedom that they give us and the technological advances that they provide. But no, I don't know how to fly. <laughs> Well, you know, there's an old lawyer saying, which I should have remembered, uh, never ask a question that you don't know the answer to. Uh, <laughs> I get that. <laughs> I get two questions a lot. One is, are you a pilot? And that's probably the top question that I get. And the second question that I get is, um, there aren't that many women in aviation. 
what makes you, what attracts you to this industry? Hmm. Well, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, let me ask you, uh, we, we often see, um, the, the, are your people involved uh, in uh, the programs where you uh, fly uh, uh, patients to various places, uh, ill children, etc.? And if so, uh, have, are you involved with that or talk, talk about that? I have been involved in that to some extent, and a lot of us in this industry are associated with some organization or another. I know that there are more than 30 different nonprofits that help organize flights for veterans or cancer patients or children um, who need medical attention, where it's very difficult for them to be on a commercial flight because of the, the chance of infection or, or illness. Right. And so a lot of times there are a lot of planes, um, plane owners who will donate time on their aircraft. Um, we've run across a couple of aircraft owners that, that give 10% of the time of their aircraft um, back to the community. So they donate that in the um, Corporate Angel Network, or the uh, one that I'm more associated with is Sky Hope Network, and we do a lot of relief flights in um, different scenarios where aircraft can help a lot more than the other modes of transportation. So the earthquakes in Haiti, for instance, um, we were able to fly in um, hundreds of tons of supplies and relief workers and medical personnel um, and also get people back out of the country who needed to to come to the state so there's it's an extremely generous industry in the number of hours that we donate on flights for people who can benefit from that I know so I'm a small business owner. I come to you and say I want to buy an aircraft. You said some of the things. What are the three questions you most you definitely have to ask them before before moving ahead? Well, I need to know where you're flying because that will help me determine which kind of aircraft to put you in. Um, I need to know your budget. Um, how much you want to play, pay for the aircraft and how much you can spend on it throughout the year. And then I also, wow, I can only ask three questions. That's going to be tough. Um, so what kind of plane, how much to spend, and then um, I guess another big question is if you're financing it or not because that might have impact on the budgetary question, and it might also have impact on um, the terms of the loan that you can get. Hmm. Well, you, you bring up an interesting topic. Are banks willing to loan for, for a plane, or are there specialized banks that do this, or how does it work? 
there are um, there are some specialized banks, um, or more likely departments within banks that write aircraft loans or leases. Probably the largest in the world right now is Bank of America. Um, and then we also see lenders that are non-banking institutions. So and there are a number of those because they are not as restricted as banks are with the number and types of loans that they can write. And so there are some non-traditional lenders for aircraft, and then there are also banks that have an aviation financing division. Hmm. Do you help people find these banks and do the financing? Absolutely. Is there anyone that can do the uh, the companies that uh, that you can lease a plane like this from? Yeah, we're I, we're actually starting to see more leases um, because that way the individual or the company is not as exposed to unpredictable depreciation of a aviation mm-hmm. asset. And over the last ten years, we've seen values take a couple of big plummets. So an aircraft that I sold in 2010 for $30 million may only be worth 12 or $14 million today. And so if you lease an aircraft, you're taking some of the guesswork out of your um, financial planning and projections for the next you know, 10 years or however long your, your lease term is. So it, it really helps um, mitigate some of that unpredict, unpredictability. Hmm. Yeah. You're really a handy person to know. <laughs> well, there are a couple things you haven't asked me about that I really thought that you would. Good. Well, please, t- by all means, tell me what, what I missed. <laughs> Well, there are a couple of um, really interesting concepts going around now, and I'm sure you've heard of NetJets. Um, That's fractional ownership, and that company has been around for several decades. And so that is not a new concept. Um, After fractional came out, there were jet cards where you could prepay for 50 hours. You didn't own the aircraft, but you were getting a good rate for prepaying. And now we're starting to see all sorts of other models come out. Um, If you watch uh, sports at all, you've probably seen the logo for Wheels Up, um, which is a fascinating program. It works a little bit like a country club membership where you pay an annual fee, and then that earns you the right to book hours on either a King Air 350 or a Citation XL. So one's a turboprop, the other's a jet. And they're absolutely fixed costs. So it's a little bit like paying your initiation fee for a country club and then paying greens fees when you go out and golf. And so mm-hmm. that's one model that's, that's increasing in popularity right now. And Kenny Dykter over at Wheels Up is doing a great job of marketing that. I, I think he's brilliant. Um, and then we're seeing another a uh, bunch of other aggregators. So we're seeing a company called Jet Smarter sell empty legs on charter flights and then we're beginning to see companies try to come up with ways that they can sell 
individual seats on private planes instead of an entire charter. So it would be kind of a ride-sharing application. And, and there are a couple of yes. things to think about with that. Um, one is they have to be really careful with that because they still have to follow all of the FAA rules for, for um, Part 135 operations of an aircraft. And then it begs another question because right now, if I charter an aircraft and I get on the flight and I take three of my coworkers, I know all of them. And so when I start sharing a ride with someone else, um, we really need to talk about security issues. Because if I fly privately, I pull my car up to the airplane on the ramp, I hand the pilot my bag, I hand the line guy my car keys, he goes and parks my car, I get on the airplane and I fly off. There's very little security other than them knowing, knowing who I am when I charter the plane. So if I get on that same scenario with four other people, we need to make sure that there are safety measures in place so that we don't end up in an in a uncomfortable situation uh, 40,000 feet above the earth. Well, uh, are, are you getting involved in that, or do you, or this something you're talking about? Because I, for, um, for one, w would love something like that uh, for my occasional trips, and I've always wanted to fly in a private jet and not have the, the pleasure. Uh, so, but, but I imagine great. must be. It's great. It's pretty amazing. And right now, I'm just watching. Um, I'm very interested in marketing, but my company doesn't sell trips on planes right now. We just sell the whole plane. So I want to see who rises to the top of, of all those companies so that I can sell them planes. So I'm, I'm fascinated by it. Um, I'd love for more people to experience private aviation in that way. So I definitely applaud the people who are providing those services. But no, I don't provide those myself yet. It, 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 hopefully, it's 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 going to happen. Uh, as, as I said to you before, we went on the air. Um, uh, apparently, according to the Wall Street Journal, the, uh, the, there seems to be some interest in uh, um, uh, uh, allowing people to share expenses at least with a private plane. So who knows? Maybe in the future. Well, um, there's another question. How, how do you see the future of private aviation? Are you optimistic? I'm really optimistic. I think we're going to see we're going to see a big change in the next ten years. And I think what's going to happen, and I've been fascinated to watch this space as well, but I think we're going to see personal aircraft. And by that, I mean autonomously flown personal aircraft. So kind of a George Jetson mobile mm -hmm. where we're flying in a drone or an unmanned aerial vehicle as a passenger. So you'd go in and into an iPad type interface and type in where you're going and hit go. And then the the drone would take you up at whatever altitude um, 
the FAA has determined is safe and then take you to that destination. So today, drones have to be flown by a pilot. So other than the recreational ones that, that you know, you can buy at your local Best Buy and fly, the ones that are, you know, any size, 50 pounds or more that are carrying camera equipment or such, are actually flown by a pilot on the ground who has to keep it in their line of sight. And so I think we'll see a ton of developments in that space over the next 10 years. Um, and, and people will actually be not touching the ground when they, when they travel in the future. And I think that's a really exciting space to watch. Um, there's a lot of legislation that needs to be passed in, in Congress in the next, um, in the next session of Congress with this new administration because the FAA has to be reauthorized. And so they need to address not just safety of the airspace with a bunch of drones added in, but how all of that's going to be funded. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens over the next 10 years. But flying is the fastest way to get anywhere still, and I don't think that's going to change. You're so right about that. Um, uh, you know, uh, right now, um, uh, you know, all, all I have to say is you're so right. It's uh, um, hopefully it's going to um, uh, other people will, will see will see it as you see it. Um, well, we want to invite you back. This has been a fascinating conversation. Um, I, uh, I can go on for hours with you, uh, but we, we do have to move on. But I want to thank you for coming on and being such an articulate guest. Well, thank you so much for having me. And, you know, that bit about saying that I was right, could you just write that down and email that to my husband? Because, you know, his office <laughs> is across the hall from mine, and I don't think he always gets that memo right. <laughs> I will definitely do that. <laughs> um, tell our audience your site again and how they can reach you and uh, everything that you want to say. Absolutely. So my company name is Charlie Bravo Aviation. And if you Google search that, you'll come up with my URL, which is wepush10.com because we are always hustling, trying to, to move uh, 10 around. Um, if airplanes are 10. And then um, you can also follow me on social media, uh, Renee Bengelsdorf on most social media outlets. And um, if you have questions, I, I look forward to entertaining those and answering them. I love advocating for private aviation. And even more, if you're a woman in aviation, keep pushing on. We need more women in aviation. Mm. Uh, thank you again. It's been such a pleasure um, talking with you, Renee, if I may call you that. And I look forward to, to talking to you again soon. Sounds great. Thanks so much. We have another guest on the wire. Who, who's calling? Well, I guess he just decided not to to uh, uh, join us tonight, but uh, Renee did, and she did a heck of a job. 
Uh, we hope to see you next week uh, with a more interesting guest. It will be hard to uh, top Renee at the moment. But for, for Don Mazzella and for the rest of the crew, thank you and good night. Thank you for listening tonight. All of our guests are invited because they offer actionable advice to our audience. They do not pay to join us, but rather demonstrate their capacity for helping our audience add profits. Thank you for listening, and we'll be here again next week with other experts to talk about ways.